Let me just tap into my introduction if I can right away because it is easy for us to be carnally minded these days. Uh, if we're not careful, we can slide back into the carnal mindset. I think this was an issue to the church at Corinth in the first letter, in the, first, uh, the third chapter, is that uh, Paul was addressing that he wanted to take them further, but he couldn't because of their, their mindset. And so, uh, again, I wanted to address the issue before I get to John 14, because my whole purpose of the message is to get you to think about heaven. But before we get there, as far as way of introduction, turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. I wanted to remind you, the Bible is really quickly, in this particular chapter, which really is the, I think it is the golden uh, words of Romans, uh, the 8th chapter, because many of it... Uh, many of us would have a certain verse in here that you like. Uh, therefore, uh, there is now therefore no condemnation, if you look at verse number one. But if you would follow along in your Bibles in reading it, you could see that the Bible is basically telling us in this particular verse, if we're not careful, we could actually be talking and walking in the flesh. But it says, therefore, now there is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So it's talking about walking after the flesh and walking after the Spirit. And so what I'm saying to you, dear friend, is that you can be saved and still be carnally minded if you're not careful. You need to be spiritually minded. And how we do that is through spiritual disciplines every day, giving it to the Lord and getting into the scriptures. Prayer is so simple, it seems, but it is lacking in your own life, perhaps. And how much time did you spend praying this last week. I'm not talking about the food in front of you and praying over that, but time with the Lord. And so we see in this particular verse or the passage in Romans chapter 8, for the law of the spirit of, li uh, of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. Um, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. And so in verse number four, he's basically talking to us. Verse number one talks about walking in the flesh, if you're not careful, or walking after the flesh, here verse number four, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So think about this for a moment. That the carnally mind, if we're not careful and we can slip back into that, living in this sin-cursed world, we can be carnally minded. Um, the television is after your mind, um, your, your thinking process. We know this. We know that the Internet is after your brain, after your mind, and wants to make it carnal. Uh, to be spiritually minded is the goal. But I think if we're not careful, we can see that the carnal minds become fleshly, if you would, or earthly. Carnal thoughts, I, I think, discover um, implanted affections. I hope that you're listening to me. This message is not to the lost man. I'm talking to the Christian. If we're not careful, our minds can be stirring up affections in our spirit 
that shouldn't be given into if we're not careful. We need to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded because carnally minded people will allow the affections of this world. Remember the Bible says, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Remember that passage in Colossians chapter 3? He is talking for about us that we are supposed to be thinking and setting our affections on things above, not on this earth. And so the brain is very important. The mind is important. I was thinking about carnally thoughts then not only discover rooted affections, but it also is an indication of spiritual weakness. And so I want to just share with you that if you're constantly thinking carnally, that you're spiritually weak. You're, you're bulimic in your walk with God. If someone says, well, I can't control my thinking. Yes, you can. You can submit your thinking to God. You can get into the scriptures. You can allow the Holy Spirit to move you to the place where you're thinking God thoughts 24-7 if you let God do that for you. And I'm talking to the Christian now. It's important for us to remember that if we're not careful, we can be carnally minded. The carnal mind really dwells constantly in despair. You say, well, how can I detect whether or not I'm carnally minded? Are you in despair 24-7? Do you think the end of the world is coming and there's no hope for anything? If you're constantly thinking that way, that's the way the world wants you to think. That's the way the, 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 uh, the people on CNN want you to think. They want you to think that they're, they're, they're the people that behind all of that. You know, it's just amazing to me how much junk is on the news. I, I, I'm, it's like you're in the Wizard of Oz. You look behind the curtain and there he is. There is this spooky weirdo back there telling us what to say, you know, uh, telling them what to say, what to believe. And so I think it's important for us to remember that we need to keep the clo- curtain closed and go into the scriptures and to be able to look and see what God wants us to think about because a carnally mind will constantly dwell upon the negative, constantly uh, dwell in despair. If you're at home today and your mind is constantly on the negative, it is because you're not spiritually minded. The spiritually minded person will say, guess what? Jesus is coming. Jesus saves. There is hope. God can turn this whole thing around. In just a few seconds, God can turn it around. I think a lot of times we think it's overwhelming and we think that there's no hope. And it's just really the product of having a a world uh, full of Christians now these days that have been walking through perhaps a little stream when they could be walking through an ocean if they would like to. If you're thirsty today, there is water for you, and God will give that to you. I was thinking about the carnally mind, and really the scriptures are telling us that you're really uh, enemies with God. Look at verse number 7 of, of, of Romans 8. It says here, because the carnally mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It, it, but I like verse 9, but it says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that just for a moment, that you have been a partaker of the divine nature. Every single day, the Spirit of God is with you, dear Christian. And so why would we be carnally minded? Why would we be living in our depression and dwelling in a place of negativity? You don't have to live that way. God will give you deliverance, and you can live on the mountaintop. God will give you that great hope and that understanding. In the way of introduction, I think it was important for me to understand and help you understand the carnal mind, if you're not careful, the carnal mind knows no moral law. We have a compass. 
It is the word of God. And if you're born again, you have a compass. It's the spirit of God. It'll point you back in the right direction. And many times in your life, you think, well, I'm sure that this is the way. Well, even to a person who may be and seem smart, you're thinking you're making the right decision. And this is the way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So we've got to be careful and have that internal understanding and yielding to the spirit of God. Even yield your mind to him in the mornings and let him guide you and direct you. And you'll see a change in your life. Your compass will be pointing in the right direction. And the direction, of course, will be to, to that understanding of heaven. I think the carnal mind will not be submissive. You know, someone who will not submit to anybody, they are carnally minded. Submission is very difficult. How many think, think that submission is difficult? Raise your hand. It is. It's really hard. I was in the Marine Corps. I know how hard it was. For some of these guys, and I didn't, I didn't have any trouble in the Marines. You know, I've had other troubles in life a little bit concerning what is right, what's wrong at times. But in the Marine Corps, when they told me that I was supposed to go to the line and stand at attention, I didn't have any problem doing that. But there were some people that did. There were some young men that were from the inner city, didn't have a mom like mine. Hope she's watching this morning. Uh, or a dad like mine that taught me that the word of God is true taught me how to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. You know, it's really difficult to deal with somebody who does not want to be submissive. It begins when they're really small. Yes. You know, and sometimes you have to sit them down and you just say, say now say along with me, yeah. you are wrong. Say that. Can you say that? No. Say, I am in wrong. <laughs> say it. Okay. I'm wrong. Okay, now I'll say, Grandpa's right. That's really hard. My goodness. I'm serious. You know, God looks down from heaven and says, can you say this? Can you say this? Would you please say that you are wrong? I mean, look, I'll say, God, I was wrong. And you are right. Wow. You know what that does? It lifts a burden off of you. It, It just kind of frees you. I'm talking to you at home, too. You can get right on your knees at home, right there in your front room, and the Spirit of God can meet you there. I talked to dozens of people. Even this week, I was with a man who was in a hospital. He just said, Lord, here is everything, every chamber of my heart. I was wrong, and you were right. And he said, now I'm living with freedom. And you can live that way, too. It's important that we think about this because the carnal mind, if we're not careful, can take us down into a deep despair because we're not willing to admit that God is right. You're not always right, sir. And you're not always right, ma'am. And if you think you are all the time, then you've got issues. And if you're going to treat us that way, you're probably treating him that way. Amen? It gets real personal, doesn't it? And quiet. But the carnal mind is stuck, perhaps in an atmosphere of guilt, an atmosphere of shame, and you can't get out of it. No matter what the preacher says, no matter what the song says, you're still living in that carnal mind if you're not careful. And so when we're talking about being spiritually minded, I think it's important for us to focus on what is necessary. And so this morning, I thought I would take the time of of preaching a message to you entitled, To Be Steadfast, Really, in the the Hope of Heaven, or in Heaven's Hope. Can you imagine if there was no heaven? Can you imagine if there's no hope? 
I mean, these people flying in from Germany, and of course their first destination was, was a place in, in, in Afghanistan. But they're coming in. There, there's a lot of those on that plane. All they have is, is, is hope to come to be able to come to a country where they can live free and raise their children in a way that they want to. It's all they're, it's just what they have as far as hope. Oh, friend, dear Christian friend, you carried your Bible in here this morning, and you have a hope in you. It's a living hope. His name is Jesus Christ. He lives within you. It is the blessed hope, and you have that, and you can actually change your thinking by focusing on him. And so as we look at this passage in John chapter 14, a lot of times we read the passage rather quickly, and we don't really see the deep rooted understanding of what's going on in this, but <clears throat> most people think of heaven primarily as a destination. But I would say that it's more than that. Yes. Heaven is a motivation. It is a destination, but it is a motivation for me to be able to get up here and talk about Jesus this morning and know that he's in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, and for what I little I know about the Scriptures, I, I can see that we can live in hope constantly. Many times we think about the destination as far as being there someday, but it's, it's more than that, because God's children know that they're going to go to heaven. It should make a difference in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we look at things, in the way that we see things. C.S. Lewis said this, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought the most of the next world. So if you focus on heaven and you realize that that's your destination and someday you're going to be there with the Lord, it motivates you to do something here below. And how many days do you have left? We don't really go by years. I remember Lee uh, Blanchard, um, what a blessing. God has sent to us different people through the years to our ministry here, and, and Lee was one of those men. And because of your love and your care for him, Lee came back Sunday after Sunday and went out, he visited more churches, and then he came back again. He said, there's no place like this place, so this must be the place. And so I thought, well, what a blessing. And he began to clean the garage and do different things. You know the story about Lee. He got uh, a disease that rather takes you quickly, Lou Gehrig's disease. And it didn't take long, and he couldn't speak to me very well. He'd come in my office with a rag, and he would wipe up the slobber all over my desk and all over his chin afterwards because he couldn't speak very well. But he wanted to know what heaven was like. Is it, is it going to be a home? Is it, is it possible... It's impossible for me to live you. That's what he would say. And I'd say, what are you saying? Is it possible for me to live near you when we get to heaven? That's what he was wanting to know because he was going there. He knew. And, and, and since he knew he was going to heaven, he made sure that all of his tools were here at hand and he did as much as he could for our church. He wired the ability for us to put the screen up there. He wired the garage. He cleaned up stuff. If you go down there and you look at the rack that all of the shovels and the rakes are in, he built that and he spent hour upon hour there. And sometimes it'd be dark when I'm leaving to go home and he'd still be here working at the church. And then he'd say, I better get going because pastor's leaving. I understand that he's with the Lord now. I know that he loves the Lord. We're going to put pictures of him. His wife sent me pictures, and I got them all in like a 
big frame, and I'm going to put it down there, and, and just so you can remember who Lee was. But he knew he was going to go to heaven soon. And so he thought, well, what can I do for the Lord? It seemed like a motivation for him to do something for God. So you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were those who thought the most of the next. And so four times, I think, in the Gospel of, of John, it does discuss the words, where I am. And, and uh, maybe just to give you a little bit of an understanding also, if you look at the book of John, John, in his brilliance, uh, opens up the, the 14th chapter with the word, Father. In our Father's house are many mansions. If you were to circle the word Father, it's in verse number 7, it's in verse number 8, it's in verse number 9, twice, it's in verse number 10, it's in verse number 11, because he wanted to make reference to the Father. If you go to chapter 16, it says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking, and so it's all about the Son and talking about how that we need to abide or remain in him. If you go to the 16th chapter, we see that the Holy Spirit is promised to us, and so you have the Trinity in the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter of John. And this is what makes uh, a rooted believer understanding and knowing why they believe what they believe. The triune God is available for us today to be able to seek him and to understand him. And he works in us and we, we pray, we say, thank you, Father. And, and, and thank you, Jesus, for enduring the cross. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me and, and giving me that conviction when I need to be convicted. And so in this portion of scripture, we see that it's mentioned here several times. And, and what's interesting also is the phrase that John uses, and he uses the phrase on purpose, where I am. And so four times in the Gospel of John that is mentioned. And he, of course, was referring to heaven, that where I am, you shall be also. And all four passages describe the kind of people we will become when the assurance of heaven becomes the motivation in our lives. The Bible says in John chapter 7, verse number 32 and 34, it says, The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then said unto Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I will go unto him that sent me. And you shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither you cannot come. He is talking about his bodily resurrection, and he is talking about his departure from Mount of Olives, and he said he would come back in like manner. He hasn't done that yet, and Jesus hasn't come back yet because we're going to be gone prior to that. And so there is going to be a departure of the believers from this earth soon. You think that perhaps today uh, people have let put this aside, but there are still enough strong independent churches mostly, biblical preaching churches that still believe that there is going to be a departure of the Christians. There is going to be a removal of the believers from this earth. And I think about how bad it is today, but how bad will it be when we're gone? So when we live steadfast in the hope of heaven, we become people that can have maybe four hallmarks, if you will. The first one is heaven's hope mobilizes us to witness. Because I know that the person in front of me at Farm and Fleet tomorrow morning probably doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, so I must say something to them. And you can call me creepy friendly all you want to, but I'm going to tell as many people as I can about Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for some of the tracks that we've been able to get, and I think we need to continue to seek them. This one is responding to the coronavirus. 
in the light of eternity. That's a pretty neat track. I think Janet was able to find that for us, and what a wonderful track this is. It actually goes and talks about germs and viruses, um, things that are really relevant to our time. Um, but just simply putting this down at, at the dental, where you're getting your teeth taken care of, or the doctor's office, or, or maybe you want to put it in the restroom someplace where somebody can pick it up and read it, but it's a wonderful blessing. People still get saved through tracks. They still do. You can still be a witness. I remember when being in Bible college, and there was a fellow that uh, he's still in the ministry, Jay Hubbard. He was in the Air Force, so God will forgive him, though. <laughs> Appreciate that, Gordon. You didn't catch that because you were back there, but you'll catch it later. But it's important for us to understand that tracks do work. And I remember Jay Hubbard, I said, how'd you get saved, Jay? He said, well, I was a mechanic on helicopters and in the Air Force, and I, I was walking out one day, and I saw something that was down on the ground. It was like a piece of paper, and I picked it up. It had all kinds of tracks on it, you know, as far as people's tracks. It was all dark and kind of ripped up, and it was a, a track by John R. Rice about being saved, and he took it back to his dorm. You know, the Air Force had dorms. We had barracks, you know. If, if you understand this, it's so true, you know. I mean, there's a difference between the Marines and the Air Force. And I always call the Air Force the smart people, just to be honest with you. Uh, not that a Marine would be dumb or anything like that, or, or would be called a jarhead or anything like that, you know. But it was interesting, as, as he said, that he sat down on his bed and began to weep reading the track. You know who did that? God did that. I remember hearing from somebody who put their arm around a man here, in our church, and said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And the man said, I'm so glad you asked me that. And he became a member of our church just because somebody was concerned about his soul. But the man who was asked that question gave me his testimony on how he was going to the University of Wisconsin and walking down State Street and thinking about God. And somebody just simply handed him a track, said, here you go, sir. Here's something for you to read. And you know what? Juan Zalapa told me that he was thinking, is there a God? And the person that handed him a tract, the tract they handed, said, do you believe in God? You talk about a split second of what God placed upon his heart. God was already drawing him, see? See, hope in heaven, it does something to us. It gives us that desire to mobilize in the area of, of witnessing. I I think that's what allows us to come here on Saturday morning. Why would you take your Saturday and give two hours to the Lord? Well, it's because people are going to hell. And they can go to heaven like you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every single one of us in this church this morning walked out of here saying, I know I'm going to heaven, so I need to tell somebody else about it. I was thinking of some of you. You've gone to people and you became creepy friendly. Maybe you're at the store or you saw them in a parking lot and you began to talk to them and say, I appreciate your bumper sticker or I appreciate that smile upon your face. Can I talk to you about the Lord for just a moment? Do you know Jesus? And you know, there's just something about the Christians when you meet and shake hands. It's like you've known them all along. It's like this kindred spirit. Say, I knew. I was at a VCY rally years ago. My wife and I were just newly married and I was over in Milwaukee and just went into that. And there was a fellow in the postal service that was hired, and I was the foreman there working with him. 
and, and didn't, wasn't able to witness on the job, perhaps at that time, I don't really remember even if I was right with God. I think it might have been 27, 28 years old, maybe a little bit less than that. And I can remember seeing him, and all of a sudden he was in the bleachers there at the VCY rally, and he's pointing at me. I knew you were! <laughs> what? I knew you were a Christian! I shook his hand. What a blessing it was to go to the work the next day to knowing that there was someone else in that place, Bayview Post Office, that was born again and born from above. The Bible does give us the understanding. Scriptures make it very clear that people who are going to heaven have a relationship and a responsibility to the Lord of telling others about Christ. Listen to this. Mark chapter 5, verse number 19. How be it Jesus suffered or allowed him not, because he wanted to go back home, perhaps, or, or go along with Jesus Christ. He wanted to go with him. But he saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Remember the story? There was a man full of demons, and Jesus delivered him. And he says, I want to go with you. I want to be with the excitement. And he says, no, go back home. You have a responsibility to go back to your people. I can't reach your people, but you can. Give them the gospel. Luke chapter 14, 21 says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. Verse number 23, the same passage says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. We only knocked at a few doors yesterday, but our desire was to say, Come, we're having an old-fashioned hymn sing. Come into the house of God, where maybe the preacher will be able to give the gospel to this person, and they can be saved. And sometimes it's not the preacher. Sometimes the faithful layman does more than the preacher will ever do. And your faithfulness to the Lord every Sunday after Sunday and being a pillar here, you know who you are. God will bless you and give you the ability to lead someone to him, dear friend. I was thinking about Pastor Bodie and one of the most wonderful men in his church down there, Bible Baptist Church. He said, I went, I think, twice to the guy's house and gave him the gospel. He wouldn't listen to me. He sent two deacons and the man got saved. Because sometimes it's, oh, here he comes again. That's the preacher, you know. It's like now they're saying, oh, here comes that crippled preacher, you know. You know, it's the responsibility of all of us to mobilize for the gospel. And if we really believe in heaven, we will do so. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible said in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That power is given to you, by the way. That you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Helping us to understand and motivate and persuade and encourage people to get the gospel out. This is God's will, I believe, for every preacher, but also for every person. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse number 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you 
that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20 and 21, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead that you be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God or, or the righteousness of God in him through Jesus Christ. I think really heaven's hope mobilizes us, but it also moves us. It moves us to sacrifice, not just to witness, but there's a sacrificial desire to do what is right. You know, folks, I, I plan things now, and we do things at the church, and, and, and there's things that go on sometimes at this church where I remember doing like a, a sportsman's banquet, and I'm setting everything up and working with the tables and, and, and just looking, Lord, give me a, a person that will come alongside of me and, and do the work that wants to do the work, and, and I can do the teaching and the praying and the preaching and so on. And, you know, God has delivered Every single time that person will help us with the ministry, he has. And right now he's given to you, Brother Alfred Olivares. He is a willing servant. He got here yesterday morning and cooked breakfast burritos. By the way, if you're hungry, go down the refrigerator afterwards. We didn't have the turnout we thought. But I'll tell you what, there's, there's also French toast down there. Thank you, Elaine. She got up at 7 o'clock and was able to come here yesterday morning and make French toast. And, and uh, I love that. I love breakfast burritos. Man. You put a little cheese in there, a little onion. Got to put salsa on top. Now, I know you're hungry, so pay attention. I love French toast, and I'm not supposed to be eating it, but yesterday I did. I got home, checked my blood sugar. It wasn't too high. Um, I didn't take any more meds, though I just take them normally. But sometimes that hope in you of heaven is talking to you and saying, you can sacrifice your time a little more. What do you sacrifice? Your tithe, your time, and your talent. Those are the three things that you can give to the Lord. And it really isn't a sacrifice because you're giving back to the Lord. And I I think sometimes you say, well, I gave 10% of my tithe, but you gave your time to him. You didn't do that this week. You gave him no time. You didn't come out and minister to anyone this week. Only come on Sunday morning. Be careful, friend, not to take all of your time. Give some to God. Maybe your talent Some of you can sing really well, and there are others that can't sing very well. I understand. But God wants you to give your talent to him. The Bible says in John 12, 23 through 26, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life uh, in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. And if any man serve me, let him follow me. That where I am, there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. What a beautiful passage of scripture. What Jesus was saying is that I'm going to actually sacrifice myself all the way to the grave. You've got a kernel of corn. They put it in maybe middle May. When do you plant your corn usually, Tom? End of April, middle of May. End, end, of, end of April or the middle of May. And it's amazing because then if you drive by his place 
over there on 73, probably around mid-June, you start seeing it pop up. And it used to be knee-high by the 4th of July, but now it's like waist-high by the 4th of June, you know, with all of the things they're putting on it and so on. But you look at all that, but there's no fruit unless there is a death. Interesting concept because you as a believer are willing to say, where's my fruit in my life? Are you willing to lay your life down? There are those that have experienced that. I need not to go any further with that. But unless we die to self, take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ, we're going to live fruitless lives without our Heavenly Father's approval because he approves of all of them that say, I'm willing to lose my life and follow you. It's pretty powerful. You see, this verbiage could be softened down a little bit, couldn't it? And we could, we could soften it down, but really we need to take a literal translation of the word of God. Matthew 13, 38 said, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present... Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, be, may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I really believe that Jesus is our example. Because that's who we need to look to. Look to Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you, ye, should follow in his steps. Living with heaven's hope, gives us that desire and that need of witnessing. I think also heaven's hope makes us confident. Makes us confident. Many times we're walking around like we're not very confident. If we're going to be able to have heaven's hope, it'll help us witness and it'll help us to understand sacrifice, but it'll also give us a confidence. Heaven gives me confidence. Look at our passage, if you would. In John 14, look at verse number one again with me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, let's go a step further, Jesus is saying. You need to believe in me also. If in my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, many dwelling places, and if, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you shall be also. What a promise. When Jesus gave this promise to his disciples, it was to focus their attention on the future. I think in the midst of this weird world in which we live right now, I think it's important for us to just think about heaven for a moment. Steadfast in this understanding of heaven's hope that someday the trumpet will sound if we're alive. We'll hear the trumpet if we're dead anyway. 
but we will hear it and we will then go and be with him because the voice of the archangel will possibly say, come forth. I think it's uh, presented in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1 and 2. Gives us that clear understanding that there'll be a door that's opened in heaven and we'll be able to go in. I love the song uh, um, that Abigail Miller wrote concerning this understanding of that man at heaven's gate and watching the, the, the apostles going in, watching the great men of the faith going in, and then, then, you know, it's not time yet for you, and then all of a sudden it's time. I can go in. What a beautiful thought. You know, if you keep your mind on that, that when you, when you take your last breath, whether it's through the COVID or not, you shouldn't be afraid of death. You're actually going to be more alive than those that are looking at you. It's certainly for those that are working on you in the hospitals and all the places they've tried everything they can do, and I'm really finding out that there's really simple things that get you through the COVID, more than they, they would like to put you on something different and a ventilator and so on, but there's some simple things that you can do to help yourself get through the COVID. You can do that and do the research. It's all over the place. But don't believe CNN completely, because otherwise you're going to live in that carnal mindset, and you're going to be despair and full of despair. Find someplace on YouTube. Find a pastor to listen to. There's plenty of them out there. Find someone that's preaching the word of God. If they're not preaching the word of God, if he's walking around with tight skinny jeans, turn them off. But if, if he's walking around with a Bible in his hand and preaching to you, then turn them up and listen to the word of God. You say you don't like skinny jeans? No, I don't like skinny jeans. I don't like tight jeans on women or men. Well, I don't know about a sin. I mean, yeah, probably is a sin, but it's just, it's, you know, women weren't, what do you want to look, sexy or gross? Is that what you want to do? Another message. Second Corinthians 5, 6 says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And remember that we can be confident in the Lord. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.14 says, and as many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear, there is this confidence that is given to you when you have heaven as your hope. Heaven. I wonder what it looks like. Sometimes I read in Revelation of a place that's 1,500 miles long. It's as wide as it is long, and it's square, and it has these beautiful pearly white gates, and has golden streets, and it must have mountains because it talks about John being taken by the angel a little bit up into a big mountain, and he overlooked this city, this crystal, beautiful city that really would take the breath out of us, of colors that we've never seen before, materials that we have never really thought about, pearly gates, how beautiful they must be. What a place, what kind of place is heaven? No sin, no tears, transparent gold to walk upon. You know, I I think it's important for us to Understand, lastly, heaven's hope motivates us to unify. Uh, I, I really think that 
churches that pull together and are unified are glorifying God. I really do. I think that any kind of division in a church is going to cause difficulty because then the word of God's not going to get out like it should to the lost people. The Bible says in John 17, 22 through 24, and the glory which thou gavest me, I give unto them. I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will, that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I really believe that Jesus said that God's children are going to be number one. They're going to be filled with God's life, if you would. The Bible says, as thou hast given him power over flesh, and he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I really believe that we share God's life. Of course, we share God's word. Each one of us love our Bibles. Some of you have written down things and have underlined things and said, Pastor, preach from this last, and you got it written down there. Maybe, maybe you wrote down 82007. Maybe that was the last time you heard me preach from this particular passage. A long, long time ago. But I did, for your benefit, tell you about heaven. God's glory. Talk about it. God's word. We have all of these things in common. It gives us that ability, God's love. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter 17, 23, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me and thou hast loved them. What a powerful passage. The Bible says, and I have declared unto them thy name and I will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. His love is in you. Sometimes we may not understand it. But we understand, notice the unity that's actually being spoken of in John chapter 17. And I need to close. I really believe that people who have heaven's hope are the people that actually understand what it's like to unify with somebody else to get the gospel out. If it means that you need to take the back seat, then take the back seat, but let's get the gospel out. I think it's spiritual unity, a bonding that comes from being in God's family, but also a visible unity. It's not just the words, it's actually your actions, a unity that at, at a lost world you see, you'll move forward in getting the gospel. So there's witnessing, sacrificing, confident, and being united comes out of having that heavenly mindset. You know, the last thing, and in closing, in 1 John chapter 5, the Bible tells us that we're to love one another. But also it says that we're supposed to love God. The Bible says, and this is the record that I have given to us, eternal life, He's given, God has given us eternal life, and this life is, is, is in his Son. That he, hath, that, he, that, that, hath, he that hath the Son hath the life. 
And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, sometimes I'm up here and I'm giving an invitation and someone will raise their hand and say, I'm not sure I'm saved. And that person already has made a decision to give their heart to Christ. Maybe you've given your heart to Christ and you've kind of taken some things back. Then it's time for you then to just give it to God again and be renewed because that's what Christianity is. It's a renewal. It's a time where you say, Lord, I need your power again. I need you again to come into my life. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. You have a head knowledge of Jesus, but you've never said, come into, my, come into my heart and save me. And you didn't do it because you're kind of hiding some things from him, because you think that if God comes down and looks in those chambers, he's not going to accept you. Let me tell you something. It's those things in those chambers is why he wants to accept you. Yes. He wants to clean those chambers of your heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, Let God speak to your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I need to get saved. I I made a decision. I'm going to open up my heart to Jesus Christ. Then why don't you come? If you're a man, I'll have a man take you into the room over here. And if you're a lady, I'll have her take you into the room over here and show you how you can put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And you can take care of that today. But maybe you're a Christian and you've been sluggish concerning heaven. Focus on heaven, it'll change you. It'll motivate you. It'll move you. It'll mobilize you. It'll give you what you need to be the Christian that God wants. So every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen.